Welcome to another episode of the Corrosion Journal interview series. My name is Sammy Miles, and I'm the Managing Editor-in-Chief of Corrosion Journal, AMP's peer-reviewed scientific journal. Today, we're celebrating Open Access Week, a global initiative to gain momentum toward the open sharing of knowledge. I'm excited to welcome several guests on today's episode from AMP's Research Program Committee, Doug Hansen from the University of Dayton and Raghu Srinivasan from the University of Alaska. Thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Emmy. So to get us started off, um, why don't you tell me a bit about yourselves? How did y'all come into material science and engineering? What really drew you to the field? Uh, I'm Doug Hansen. I'll go first. Um, like any <clears throat> graduate student, it was serendipity. And um, I was a marine biochemist and I got invited to work on my PhD to look at natural products as corrosion inhibitors. So I had to take the uh, material science courses along with the biochemistry classes and everything in graduate school. And I wound up going to the Naval Research Lab, working with Dr. Ed McCafferty and Dr. Paul Natitian, and uh, working on corrosion inhibitors there. And they introduced me to um, uh, really electrochemistry. And uh, it's been working in that field since then. All right. Hey, uh, my name is Raghu Srinivasan. I'm an associate professor in mechanical engineering and the department chair at the University of Alaska Anchorage. So currently, my research focuses on atmospheric corrosion in coal regions and materials compatibility issues in corrosive environment. Uh, to start off with, I'm always fascinated with material science as a subject, which is at a crossroad of other disciplines like chemistry, physics, and engineering. And I was fortunate enough to do research, corrosion research, specifically as an undergraduate student back in India at a government lab setup. Then when I got an opportunity to come to the U.S. to do a master's and Ph.D., I chose Hawaii. So what better place to study atmospheric corrosion under Lloyd Hihara, right? Then since then... Uh, I moved here up to Alaska where I'm studying atmospheric corrosion in cold region. Uh, so I'm kind of like fortunate to study atmospheric corrosion in two beautiful and extreme environments like Hawaii and Alaska. And those are quite different from one each other, one another too, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, when I told my wife we were moving out of Hawaii, I said, okay, let's move from the 50th to the 49th. <laughs> <laughs> so... To jump into today's discussion, really, what is the importance of sharing research findings and why does research matter? So let me start off here. So this is Regu here again. Uh, so there are several reasons why research is really important. So one of the crucial role is advancing the knowledge, the basic understanding, the basic science. And in, in, in an overall picture, it should benefit the society as a whole. And what better way to do that by peer-reviewed publications, uh, the education and training of the younger generation that's going to come along, that's that's pretty important. So when you share your research, you're pretty much sharing your knowledge. Yeah, I, <clears throat> pardon me. I totally agree with what Raghu said. Um, it's all about advancing knowledge. And uh, for the longest time, the ability to do that has been through publications or presentation at conferences, right? Meeting with your peers. Um, now with the... Um, the introduction of of the internet and online that has taken on a new a new role if you will uh for online uh webinars seminars podcasts like like this one so the dissemination of knowledge is no longer limited to either in-person presentations or in location of your research 
What are, uh, we kind of touched on this a little with both of your answers, but what are some of the ways that we share research findings? So obviously at conferences and journals, but um, are there any other ways we go about that or? Well, besides, besides publications and then presentations at conferences, you know, there's, there's always um, workshops. You can go to your colleagues' uh, laboratory, give invited seminars at the institutes, whether it's at a, a research institute or a, academic institution um, on advisory boards. So that can be an industry or an academia uh, as well. I know several of our members of our community have served on very high level uh, advisory boards, um, for the government and, and for industry. And to add to that, uh, as a graduate student, the first point where you're actually going to share your research is your thesis and dissertations. And then that thesis and dissertations, then you can actually piecemeal into peer-reviewed journal articles, uh, conference talks, conference presentations and stuff. And when we are doing your research to a funding agency, obviously you're going to write technical reports. Uh, sometimes those technical reports are open and sometimes the technical reports are not open. So it, it really... <laughs> and, uh, and associations like uh, AMP or other associations, some of the standards, they actually come from the research that we are doing. So the standards get updated based on the research that we do as an acad academicians. One of the trends that's pretty common right now is sharing your research on social media platforms and stuff. So we gotta be a little bit more careful about that. So that's when the peer reviewed journal articles gets its credibility because it goes through various levels of reviewing from your peers and then it gets the stamp of authority from journals and other stuff so you've got to be a little bit careful on social media platforms but i think they also go hand in hand right with social media platforms so if you publish in a peer-reviewed journal if if it's open access published under a, a certain type of creative commons license then you can go ahead and post your article or link back to the publisher. I think most publishers encourage you to post something about your article on social, but drive them back to that journal. So you have a little blurb, maybe it has an abstract, and then you say, hey, read my whole article. Because then you have the best of both worlds, right? You're sharing it on social with your peers, but you're driving people back to that peer-reviewed versus just having, here's some article that has had no vetting, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then that also highlights the value of having something like the research uh, committee at AMP, because if we're talking about a professional association, you know, um, there's a percentage of the attendees that are there for the ex exhibition and there are a percentage of the attendees there for the technical symposia. And uh, since the research program committee is... Um, primary, one of our primary responsibilities is setting up the research in progress and research uh, topical symposia in the student poster session. That's that's all a wonderful venue for the um, exchange of, of knowledge and information, right? So someone said a, a few years back, I remember there was a quote in, a, in an article that if you don't publish it, it never happened. So um, that, that brings to the forepoint that if you're if you're doing research, you you have to share it, whether it's on online media, social media, at a conference, uh, through publications of papers, and nothing adds more value to a professional society than their ability to advance the knowledge by being a forum for the presentation of your research findings. 
to add on to that point, like like when we go to conferences and then when it's an open access peer review journal articles, right? So more people read it, there's visibility in terms of your research is being published to a wider audience. But there's also another underlying fact here is like people see your work and then uh, they might say, okay, there is some kind of a synergy here. So this kind of promotes collaborative work. So, and then not just attending conferences where networking happens, if it's an open access peer review journal, then I see, okay, so there's credibility in this paper and I'm doing similar work. So let's reach out and then have some collaborative work in the future, right? Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, so basically you get that synergy across the world. You can you can have different labs kind of get interested in new topics that maybe they hadn't thought of before because they can read those articles. And and to Doug's point, the discoverability, if it's not in writing. I've I've mm -hmm. talked to people before where if you weren't at this presentation, you know, 15 years ago, it's you can't find it because there weren't any um a conference proceeding at the minimum, right? Or a journal article or anything spun out of it. And so you, if you were there, you knew, and if you weren't there, you don't know. And which I think goes back to the, the premise that the more people can see your work, the more they can build on it and evolve that research. I wanna take a moment to quickly explain a couple of the types of open access real quick, just to make sure that everybody knows what we're talking about. So when you publish open access, it means that that research is freely accessible to readers. Regardless, you don't need a you don't need a subscription. You don't have to pay for that article. You can go online and find it. There's a couple different types. There is green open access, which is self archiving. Um, that's something that Corrosion Journal allows, and that basically means if you've published your paper, you can put a copy of that in your funder's repository or your institutional repository. So maybe if you're an academic, that's a university library, things like that. And that's usually going to be the version accepted from peer review. Then there's also gold open access where you're paying to publish open access. And what that does is it means even if it's a subscription-based journal, your article is still unlocked and people can read it um, regardless of having that. And there's Creative Commons license that go with a lot of the types of open access, especially gold open access, which means it dictates really how you can share it. Can I reuse parts of the paper? Can I post it online? Things like that. And with that, I wanna dive into the next question, which is how does open access, publishing open access help our authors and the broader global research community? Let me take a crack at it first here. This is Regu here again. So we already talked a little bit about it, right? So this is the increased visibility and the impact factor that we're talking about. So if you publish something in open access, so there's more people are going to read it. And then um, both, both the authors, like the two sides are getting benefited here. So as an author, I'm getting benefited. As a publisher, the publishers are getting benefited because there's more people are reading that. So that will eventually going to hike up the impact factor as well. And then I also touched a little bit about the enhanced collaboration that we can have because if more people read it and more it's accessible to more people, so the ideas can come into picture. I don't know what Doug wants to add to that. <laughs> yeah, so that that comes back to the, the the term open access, right? That's exactly what it is. So if so, if you are in a situation where you really don't work at a at a university that has a subscription. That can go on, but so you can go online and download the papers. Now, 
right? So you can access that paper and and uh, have it benefit your research, right? And so as, as someone said, you know, in an ideal world, everything would be open access. But the, the hard truth is, is that societies that sponsor journals or associations or publishers that they need to pay the bills they need to keep the lights on and pay for the peer review processes so you know there has to be a a fine balance between free open access for everyone versus you know the publishers and the and the societies being able to cover the costs of doing the the peer review process in the first place and uh, to add to that point, like I was t- talking about it benefits both the authors and the publishers, but there's also another factor here as an academician, like when we get our fundings through our funding agency, one of the requirements is to disseminate it. And if it's an open access, obviously we're all going to acknowledge our funding agency. So that's, that's another way of promoting the funding agency, both federal, non-federal, non-profit organizations and all those things. So they are getting their own value for funding this research, right? Yeah, and don't forget the program managers often look in the literature and see what's being published and so, hey, what's a hot new topic? And then they'll <laughs> put forward a funding program. And so it's a self, self-feeding self prophecy sometimes. Yeah. And uh, maybe Sammy can uh, talk a little bit about here. Maybe open access is a little bit more rapid dissemination like compared to our regular <laughs> traditional way of publishing. It can be. It can be because really you don't have to wait on, you know, do do they have a subscription? Do they have to log in to then go and find it? If it's open, people can just click on it and read it there. They're not going through the debate. Do I have to do I have to buy it? Do I have to log in through my library? For example, if you work at um, a university, things like that. And one of the things we've been doing is temporarily unlocking articles in some cases. So every month we have one article that's featured on our homepage that we're pushing on social media as well, that's open um, for 30 days. So that's a way where if you're the feature article, it's also going out in our newsletter um, that's selected by our technical editor. So you click on it and I can read it. I don't have to wait for somebody to log in and find it. It's being pushed out there and you don't have any barriers to be able to read it. And so that helps authors really for that visibility. People can see what you're working on. They can cite your paper. That's gonna help you with your CV. It's, as kind of mentioned, impact factor. The more you're cited, the more it helps your jur- the journals you published in because it might increase that impact factor as well. But yes, it is more of that immediate ability to, to read the article, read and share. Because I think the the sharing factor, especially for articles published under a Creative Commons license, is huge, right? You're not worried about, is there going to be a copyright violation because you've posted it somewhere or sent it somewhere? So just that would be my one word of caution to people is make sure you know how something was published before you post it anywhere. But really, that ability to share and disseminate, which helps, again, as Regu mentioned, the funders, in addition to the readers and the authors. Yeah, this is Doug. So uh, one of the things that just uh, came to my mind while Sammy was talking was the intrinsic value of publishing the research. And then really it, it falls into two categories in my mind. There's applied and there's basic research, right? 
So the applied research most of the time is is valued more highly because of it's it's a very applied. It can it can solve a problem, an immediate problem, whereas the basic research, that's what the applied research is built upon. So it goes hand in hand. And a lot of people tend to sometimes minimalize the impact of the basic research because you know the the here and now is the is the solving of the problem that the applied research is geared towards but that has to be promoted uh even-handedly in in all the journals and i i honestly think the corrosion journal does a very nice job of that thank you just to add on to that, like in terms of what we do, I just wanted to plug in, like uh, Doug is our chair for the research program committee for the AMS Association and the vice chair here. And as a research program committee, we sponsor everything related to research, which includes uh, the RIP Research in Progress, RTS, uh, the Research Topical Symposium student poster session at the conference. And we actually encourage the authors to go and publish that in the Corrosion Journal. And Corrosion Journal... On the other hand, uh, they invite our student poster session winners to publish their posters as like a, a newsletter or something like that. Like, um, but that's open access too. So it's kind of like giving the opportunity to our anger researcher and giving them the taste of open access. So they know what open access is at that time. And then maybe that sticks with them. So in the future, then they will probably opt for more open access publications. And, and, and Corrosion Journal is helping with us in terms of doing that. And with the with the poster winners, that's actually a really good point on some of them. It's one of their first publications that they've ever done, um, especially if they haven't written a conference paper yet or been part of another project submitted to a journal. And having that visibility, I know we've had authors before where they win, um, they win a poster award. Now they've published their short poster letter, it's open, and then they can share it. And that's a good example of here's the research I've been doing. So it's not just were you there to see my poster, because that's not stored anywhere, kind of back to the if you weren't there, it doesn't exist. But you can say, and here's an example. So you don't have to wait for me to finish the research project in, in full or read my thesis or dissertation when it comes out. But here's a glimpse into what I am doing and what I am capable of not capable of but you know what i mean yeah no i i agree it's a, it's a wonderful mechanism if you will that you spend all the time as a student doing your research then you have an opportunity to go to a conference you know present a poster win an award and it's nice financially you know you win some money but you also get to publish and that the excitement of seeing your name in print in a in a journal or an article for everybody to see is is quite thrilling that's true. I want to move on to the theme of Open Access Week this year. So this year's theme is community over commercialization. Um, and that really strikes home when we're looking at the values of an association-run journal and an association overall. As kind of touched on a minute ago, the journal strive, the Corrosion Journal strives to permanently or temporarily unlock as many articles as we can whether that's the monthly open access feature, some of our invited reviews, um, the student poster letters, and then we'll also unlock some of the articles from our archive that we feature on our homepage each month. Um, but really, what are some other ways that we can support the re corrosion research community, both as a journal and as a broader association? 
Well, we've we've talked about this uh, numerous times in our in our meetings about you know it's I guess you could call it outreach to the scientific community and ideally you'd want to start with the younger folks first, right? So um, we've talked about in uh, where we have our conference meetings to engage with the local um, secondary education systems. So bring in, uh, maybe if the high school has a science fair, have the winner of the science fair come and and present a poster, have a special category. You know, we're, we're still discussing those possibilities as well. And so imagine the thrill for the teacher of that student and the student themselves, where, you know, if something could, a paragraph in, in the highlights of the journal or something like that, where it says, you know, a local high school science fair winner gets to present the poster at the student poster session at, at the conference or something. That's, that's one very interesting way to, to do the outreach with that start younger, right? And then... The other thing is the local sections that are and, and the student chapters. Um, it would be nice to see some uh, more involvement or encouragement where uh, if there's a news section or something for the local sections to be included or, you know, if there are special happenings to get known. Now, of course, you can do that online, right, through the society, maybe further involvement. I really like the idea of like introducing this to the high school students. Like I myself run a high school camp, so we can talk about like what corrosion is, like target the audience at a very younger age and then talk talk to them about publications and like what article is, like how to write an article. Why do we have to write an article like when you do a research and how to have a wider reach? So you kind of like incalculate that like at, at a very young age. So it kind of like sticks with them when they go through the higher levels. That's a, that's, that's a very great idea. And we truly operate as a community, the corrosion community. So that's as, as RPC or like at the AMP or any of those. We're such a small community, but we really do operate like a community here, right? And I, I see uh, the corrosion journal, the, the way they promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that's, that's a big thing where it's actually part of the community outreach itself. And then the public awareness. People who are not familiar with corrosion journals, if they go to the LinkedIn page or the Facebook page, uh, every time an article is being published, like the editors, they themselves come and like to talk a little bit about that article itself. So that's just reaching out to the community and saying, you don't have to be in the research field, but come, like, what's the research field is doing? And if it comes from the editorial board itself, like a, like a short video, the impact is pretty huge at that time. Yeah, and the perfect analogy is, say, for example, material science, you know, the the typical person doesn't really think about it until it impacts their lives, right? Whether you go to the dentist or you've broken a leg and you have to go to the emergency room or your car fails because, you know, your brake line corroded, thank goodness, hopefully in the parking lot, not while you're going down the highway, you know, examples like that. And so the, the more um, engaged that we can become with the general public, then that raises the value of not only the association, but the value, not that it's in, not valuable, but the value of the work that we do and the research that we do. Because a lot of times it gets lost. It's very, it's very insular. You know, it's, it's a, as Raghu said, it's a very small community. You know, um, we, we know each other um, over 
the past um, 30 years of my career, I've, I've grown up with a lot of these folks and, and we all know each other. We know our families, we know our grandchildren and it's, it, but it gets very insular uh, and, until you start reaching outside of that community and, and presenting what you do and the value of what you do and how it impacts the general public. I think the value of what y'all do with corrosion research is huge, right? Because to a lay person, you may not even know what corrosion is. So I think this is going to be a plug for when you're writing a paper, make sure in your background or introduction, give some context. Why is this research important? I can't tell you the number of papers I've seen over the years where they go into, here's the specific research we were doing, but it doesn't even necessarily tell you what the end application is or where it can fit in. Um, because if you add that, even if somebody doesn't understand the science in that article, let's say it's an article that's open so everybody can read it, but give that plug of, you know, maybe it's on aircraft and, you know, it's going to cause a huge problem if this happens on part of the, you know, corrosions on some of the wing and I'm, I'm butchering this completely, but you know what I mean? Like, why why do people care and why should why should you um implants would be another one of those right, right. um yeah Raghu, i'm sure ragu has <laughs> has the same experience that i do is uh, i teach a first year graduate level introduction to corrosion science engineering and uh, the, the the first week i give practical examples and what i tell the students is that by the time the end of the, you reach the end of the semester you will know more about corrosion than 99% of the world's population <laughs> and that, that's but, true yeah but it's true right and, yeah. and at the end of the semester they they're excited because they say dr hanton you'll never believe what i just saw walking across campus you know and and they take out their phone they show me a picture of the base of a lamp post or something i'm like yes <laughs> yeah, it, and, and and for a non-corrosion, non-research specific people, the two things that kind of catches their mind is like when we talk about corrosion is, is the monetary impact because it's cost corrosion, the safety impact because it's going to affect lives. So those are the two major things that we can actually talk about it that catches everybody's eye. Oh yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna cost money and then that's gonna affect me. It's gonna be a safety issue and that's gonna affect me. So. And that ties in perfectly with Open Access Week, right? We we Thanks. want to, the more people will read your research and understand your research. And I think as an association, if we have ways to take that research and help put it more practical, maybe it ends up, it's open, more people see it, and it can influence a standard and make things safer from that standpoint. Maybe it then gets read and inspires something that's then put out to the magazines. And now you're reaching a different group of people who are maybe more hands-on and and not doing the research, but it could impact what they're doing and what they're making. I think that's kind of the goal, right? The disseminating information and making people understand. And the safety, I think, is huge. The safety aspect that, yes, it has a big monetary impact, corrosion does on society, but really the the safety is i think major but i mean corrosion can be good too right think of an you don't have to put somebody under for surgery twice depending on the type of implant you have right it'll dissolve away and that can be great for us too there are some really good uses for corrosion but it's also preventing some of the scarier ones yeah and it's always amazing when i point out to the students that um 
when there is a mishap, particularly in transportation or even in the amusement industry, right? And and then it gets inspected and finds out that the root cause was due to a failure of a material because of the the corrosion that happened, and they all you see the light bulb go off, and that's and a lot of times the the failure mechanism is is misdiagnosed and and corrosion is not identified as a cause and that's an issue lack of awareness and then the lack of lack of doing research on that right right if anyone wants more information about the research program committee and amps research programs how should they follow up i know that um, they can go on the amp website and look up um, communities and technical community of interest and we have a research program committee technical committee of interest where it's a free and open dialogue for issues that um, people have identified or items that we're working on or, or, or doing uh, we're always looking for volunteers to help us with um, task forces for uh, engagement and outreach things as simple as helping to review abstracts for the meeting or to help organize a symposium we're always looking for help with that the big thing is to help judge the student poster session yeah just to add on to that like if you're going to be at the conference in march next year come and attend the rip rts and sps sessions and you you would you would get to know more about the rps and what they what we do perfect and thank you for joining me today doug and ragu my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks, Doug. And with that, I'm Sammy Miles. And again, I'm here with Doug Hansen and Raghu Srinivasan. And thanks for listening to another episode of Corrosion Journal's interview series. You can subscribe to AMP Podcasts if you haven't already on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all the major distributors. If you want to learn more about the journal, make sure to visit corrosionjournal.org. You can find all episodes of AMP Podcasts on amp.org. That's A-M-P-P dot O-R-G. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.